Welcome to uh, episode four of The Feminist Family. I'm Corey Johnston. I'm Pamela Kazikeri. And we are partners, and uh, we're both progressive feminist people, uh, anti-racists, uh, you know, the whole... Uh, yeah, the feminist sh- family. Yeah, we are the feminist family. So, what do we want to talk about today? What are we going to talk about? Like, um, I wanted to talk about today uh, about uh, family and friends who become like yeah. family. Okay. I don't know if it's something that you ever had before you met me. Uh, I guess like I always thought of my friends, the friends that I made uh, as a kind of family. Uh, I didn't, I don't know. Even though I had a family around a lot, I didn't always think of them as the people that, you know, knew me the best, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, quitted um, my country since, um, like, the first time it was in 2006, seven, um, when I went to live in, um, in Belgium with my first husband. Mm-hmm. And... Um, at that moment, I, um, yeah, I was considering some, uh, uh, friends as family, but, um, by living like outside of my country, outside, like far from my family, mm. I, um, developed something else where I really was creating like family where I was going, like, um, not only calling them like friends, but, really having like brothers who became like really family, like brothers like or sisters. And yeah. um, I ended up now having like moms, yeah. <laughs> having grandma. And um, uh, since we met, like you met me with um, a Canadian family, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, how, um, uh, what did you think about that? Like at the, at the beginning when, uh, for example, my, like grandma came, like for the girls and, um, how, what did you think about like that kind of relationship we have that she is really like the grandma of, for the girls? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, on some level, uh, I've known people who had adoptive families, right? So like they kind of made their own family. They didn't have a good family growing up or whatever. So they kind of made it up as they went along. But I, I thought, I think that uh, the story, how you uh, you met grandma and stuff, it's a very good story. It's a, it's not very, uh, it's not a typical story, I don't think. Like, it, I don't think you find that many people who just find themselves in a, a group of family that just takes them in, you know. I mean, maybe you do more than I think, more than I see. <laughs> maybe it happens more than I know. But uh, I, I think it's a fairly unique story. So, yeah, it's really a very unique uh, story because, like, even uh, in the way uh, we met, like, um, uh, her daughter, like, uh, Janice's daughter, Donna, uh, was, um, you know, what this, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, but this <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, um, like, Shikiro was going to uh, her uh, um, home daycare. Mm. And uh, for, um, like, for, I would say two months, something. Um, 
I noticed that the fact that I was working from Wednesday to Sunday mm-hmm. and Shikiro was then going to the daycare also Saturday and Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, she became like part of their family. Actually, like they adopted first, uh, Shikiro <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> before me because you were so busy working. I, at that moment, I only knew Donna and, uh, her husband, Robbie. That's all Robbie that I met like only one time, uh, when I went to that daycare because like she's a donor is uh, like a special <laughs> as a, um, uh, daycare like provider in Winnipeg right, yeah. because like she's the only, um, daycare provider that I heard who comes and uh, pick up the kids right, at your yeah, house. Yeah. And, uh, so she was doing that. Uh, and for some reason I wasn't seeing like, um, uh, meeting like regularly with her husband, for example, and her family. And so later I discovered that, uh, they really adopted Shikiro who was going like, um, to, uh, all their family gathering and stuff. Huh. It was before COVID, of course. Right. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it really touched me, like, the, the way, like, all their family, like, uh, Donna's mom and, um, brothers and everybody, like, in their family, like, in everybody, like, even their friends knew Shikiro and loved her and they were all sending things for her and, uh, and really interested. Like, um, I went through, um, like a, a kind of like a issue with my uh, um, owner I was renting in Winnipeg and uh, for some uh, organizational staff like uh, I had to move before the date um, I was supposed to, to to leave Winnipeg because at a certain moment I had to leave Winnipeg to come to Regina right. so um, I had to leave like at the end of the year and, but um, I was like okay nobody's gonna be there to help me like uh, at the end of the year like uh, right <laughs> who's gonna help you move exactly and then Donna was like oh you know what I have um, a bedroom that is free if you want like you can come like a month move a month before from your apartment and come and uh, just um, stay there in that bedroom and rent. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure, I can save. On the- <laughs> <laughs> right. And then uh, that's how I went uh, to live uh, at her, her house, which made it easy for Shiki because then Shiki was living at her daycare. So. Right. And uh, I really got like the chance like to to know them and see how Shiki was so happy with them and stuff and then met all the family. So... At that moment, like they even proposed me like to keep Shiki for three weeks oh, wow. <laughs> before I, uh, um, uh, they, they bring themselves to Regina, uh, after I was like ready in my new apartment, you know, I was here just for working and I was kind of single mom at that moment. So they were like, okay, go by yourself and get everything ready. We gonna bring Shiki. Right. Like seven hours of driving from Winnipeg right. to here in Regina. And, um, and since then, like, I never ceased, like, to be amazed on how, um, how it's something like, uh, they, they are giving us, like, so much love and, um, uh, we, we seems to be giving them, like, also, like, so much love. And they became, like, after that, like, uh, more and more family so that like now I, cons- I really consider Donna as my sister and right. uh, I have brothers, Canadian brothers and I'm part of their family. Like Shiki was like the flower girl to the marriage of uh, Donna's brother. 
So, <laughs> and everybody there knew her. I knew almost nobody <laughs> except yeah. uh, really the closest uh, relatives. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that uh, today because um, this week, unfortunately, I lost like a, a person that I con- I, I met um, two years ago in uh, in uh, Winnipeg. Like it was really again like another so nice story. I was going just in Montreal to meet my best friend coming from Burundi. Right. And um I was supposed to 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 sleep at another friend. Uh but unfortunately when I got at Montreal like his phone was not uh um like ringing and it's a friend of mine I used to go and um use his um bedroom because he has a he had a Airbnb. So I couldn't get rid to to him and I was pregnant. I was so tired and um and um yeah, my best friend that I was going to see was like, okay, it's okay. We're gonna find a way. Come at our house and it was at her auntie and then I met her auntie. I was going to Montreal for uh, uh three days, I think, and I think that the three days I spent them more with the auntie oh, yeah. than with my friend because my friend was there with her husband with her kid and uh you know here in canada for two weeks so meeting everybody going everywhere and uh, i was so t- tired busy, i busy. think I, yeah really busy i was uh seven six or seven months pregnant oh. and i was like ah you're gonna go and you're gonna just leave me here we're gonna meet when <laughs> you come back and then i I stayed like three days with that extraordinary like uh, uh, woman and kept in touch with her all this time. And, um, and yeah, um, unfortunately last week I heard that she, she was in a coma, that she was seriously like, uh, ill. And then later she, she passed away. And, um, there is something like all my Facebook, I discovered through her. That actually, like, um, I wasn't the only one considering her, like, as, um, uh, as a mom or as an auntie, even if she wasn't a right. real auntie or a, a real mom. And, um, and yeah, I've been uh, thinking about, uh, that thing. And, um, I, it kind of like give me like, uh, faith in humanity. Like, um, I'm like, okay, so we can, we can, create families too so right. we can create those kind of like relationship like uh even if like you don't have your family there or even if you don't have a huge family or you know you can yeah also meet people in your life and uh who can become like a family i'm like i wanted to pay a tribute to uh to all these people really who um I, I met in different times in my life and, uh, and, uh, who became re- like family, even more than families, you know. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, sometimes when I see, uh, the way grandma is with, with the girls, you know, I'm like, okay, you are even more than, you know, many other grandmas, you know, yeah, <laughs> real yeah. grandmas. So yeah. Strange people can become like family and like become like uh, so present in in our life, and I'm so grateful. I wanted to <laughs> talk about that's that. No, that's good. I uh, yeah, I find uh, I find the concept like a little odd to my. You know, I haven't always been like a uh, uh, 
I guess I'm kind of a solitary person at heart. <laughs> so I think you didn't, you haven't got like a, an experience of a huge family too, I guess. Oh no, that's, yeah, that's right. Like I've got, I mean, my dad and, but right now that's kind of, I, I had a stepmother for a, quite a few years, 20 some years. Uh, my dad and my stepmom were together, but my mom hasn't been around for a long time. Uh, my brother hasn't been around for a long time. So it's like kind of just got used to being, you know, on my own. I mean, I got my kids, but I, I it's like, uh, I think sometimes when we talk about family too, we, we underestimate like the, the oddness, like family is supposed to be like this thing that you are a part of. Right. And then you get a, you grow up and you marry somebody or you meet a partner that becomes your family, right? And you have kids with them or do you, or whatever, or you spend the rest of your life with them. And like, that's a, that, that person was a stranger before too, right? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> but now that's a person that you know for your entire, entire life in some cases. Now, I guess not everybody, but. But it's, it's a similar dynamic, right? Like, uh, in a sense, this is, these are strangers that you met and that through acts of kindness and, uh, uh, bonding through, uh, various situations and relationship building, they become fundamental to your life. And I think that's kind of what family means, right? Like these are fundamental to your life. Exactly. Exactly. That's. That's what it means. Like, I find it like, uh, so, um, yeah, so interesting. Yeah. Uh, the dynamic of, uh, family and, uh, anyway, families come in, uh, all different shapes and, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think, cause it's not just about the number, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just about blood. No. Like, I think that's, I think that's the important, an important distinction because a lot of people, they get hung up on this idea that your blood is your family. Everybody else is just somebody you know. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, you can be friends, you can have a, a strong relationship. But, like I say, I don't think that's a good definition of family. I don't think that that's sufficient to, uh, explain what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, for kids, their parents are, are family. I mean, aunts, uncles, whatever, like the, they can come and go on the same level as strangers sometimes. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That's why I am like, um, <clears throat> there should be like an intermediate, uh, status, uh, you know, to, to call like those friends who become like a family. Yeah. Like what is the name for that? Yeah. Friendsly. <laughs> Friendsly would be sexy. <laughs> I love you. I don't know, my love. <laughs> Friendsly. <laughs> okay. What else? I don't know. I'm just thinking about this idea of that, uh, like family. Like, it's, I don't know. It's almost, I, I have family. But even like my cousins and stuff were always 
you know, it was more like if I was friends with them, then great. And if not, then whatever. They were just people that I knew, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or if it was like, but I, I, I don't know if it was because of the way that I was raised or if, uh, you know, uh, because I don't think that everybody in my family, like my broader family, think that way. <laughs> like I have cousins who are more like, yes, we are related. Therefore, I will always know you and I will always deal with you. And and it's like, well, I mean, okay, yeah, maybe on some level, but you don't actually have to. <laughs> and for like many of my cousins, it's like you go years without ever talking to each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would say that the fact that, uh, um, I'm kind of like far from, uh, my, like, roots family, like, gave me this opportunity, like, uh, maybe to choose, like, you know. Yeah, maybe. It gave you, <laughs> well, and if. What would be, I guess, uh, more difficult if I was, like, um, living, um, in my country because really the dynamic of family, like it's kind of like different here than, um, in my country. Right. Like to give you an idea, I come from, um, <clears throat> a family where my brother, like there were nine. Right. Uh, sisters and brothers. <laughs> and we've, um, uh, oh, like we've an average of, four kids per family <clears throat> and my granddad at my dad's side there were also nine with nine kids right so and um and I grew up in a place where all adults that are relatives become uncles okay or aunties and if they are almost your age, they become like cousins. Okay. And um, so... Yeah, we kind of did a little bit of that. Like, my dad's cousins were uncles, right? Mm. And, yeah, so on a side... But I have, I have bigger cousins. Like, when I put that distinction, is like, I have, like, a cousin who's almost, like, 60. Okay. You know... Um, so that's one I grew up like considering him more than an uncle. Right. Than, you know, (laughs) so it's not really, yeah, exactly. It's not only just the clear relationship between you. It's also like, I guess, kind of like paying respect to adults and uh so what i wanted to say is like it creates like a kind of confusion because like i grew up like seeing so many cousins of my dad like considering them like as uncles as auntie and then like you grew up like knowing like you have like a yeah it's really possible that when you get like your communion like there are 100 people <laughs> right. And you all, you know, all of them and they consider you as family. Like in a small city like Bujumbura, that means that wherever you go, you're going to meet one of them. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you grow up like having like the weight of family. What's a small I mean, city? Well, how many people live in Bujumbura? 
I'm not. Ask Wikipedia. Ask Google. Ask Google. <laughs> But I, I mean, I know that in Regina, there's what, like 230 some thousand people ish. Or maybe it's 250,000 now. I don't even know. Bujumbura is way bigger than uh, Regina. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a huge city. Like, uh, we can, we can check on that. <laughs> if you have time, if you're going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, uh, no, honestly, like, uh, I'm not, uh, really a math person. And, um, the more, um, just, we have Google with us, the more I tend, like, not to. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, I guess when you live there your whole life, then you establish people, like, you know, certain people and you go to certain places and they know where you go and they go, you know, like in Regina, it's not a big city. But no. I, I can go mine, like, and I do, I work everywhere in the city, right? Picking up food deliveries, doing grocery shopping. But you won't meet people. And I never see people I know. It's because, um, first of all, uh, Regina is in the west of, uh, west of Canada. It's really cold. So <laughs> nothing is happening outside. But in the summer, I don't see people. And, uh, the city is meant so that nobody is seeing anybody because like the city is, is meant for winter time <laughs> yeah there is you i mean even if you are work like in my mind now when i'm driving i'm not even trying to see people true, because true. like the probability that that person walking you know by foot yeah. i may know him is like so low that you are not, you know, I wonder if there's paying something, attention. I wonder if there's something about it being the city you grow up in. Because when I was growing up in Weyburn, like it's a much smaller city, but you're always looking, you always know people, you see them everywhere and no matter what you do. And I've heard similar stories from people who live here. And I've heard similar stories from people who live other places, but they, where they grew up there and that's, you know, Maybe it's a matter of like when you grow up somewhere, you just get used to seeing the people you know there. Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I would say for me, it's that explanation. Like yeah. Regina, there is no much occasion like for people to, to meet. You know, they were this Canada Day. They were like, it's not like there are like, um, you know, mass gathering and uh, like many things like, If I can compare, like, to what I saw in Belgium, as I lived there, like, uh, in the, I want, I won't compare, of course, Regina with Brussels, because Brussels is the capital city of, uh, Belgium, and it's also the capital, uh, of Europe, so, mm -hmm. it's, um, but in small, um, villages or small cities where I lived in Belgium, like, um, Yes, you would end up like knowing some, you know, having some uh, familiar faces, you know, by living there because, um, there are so many like, uh, uh, folkloric, uh, you know, festivities, like, uh, yeah. you know, there are so many, you know, occasions for the people like to meet and party together, you know, festivals, you know, if you live there, like, um, I would say like in that city where I lived like, uh, where, where I lived like, um, three years, I guess. I 
was studying like to, even myself like to recognize some oh, is that faces right? yeah because okay. yeah yeah um but something that i think here in regina would be much difficult because even your brain is trained that this never happened right <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe Regina is, is a kind of like capital of Saskatchewan. Well, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this mentality that in the capital, you know, people are moving so fast, uh, than in small <laughs> cities like Weyburn. Yeah. Where, you know, chances are you can be born in Weyburn and grow up there and, you know, but in capital cities, like, yeah, you know, people are moving like, coming and going and uh, there are so many movements people are moving from house to house you know more than in small cities i right. think that's why yeah more than that yeah yeah maybe <laughs> but in, in, in the other the, the, yeah it's also related to the temperature right well, yeah, <laughs> it's 28 degrees and of course this year is exceptional like, right like nobody nobody the people that i know are avoiding going out anywhere Yes. <laughs> like yeah. specifically because this is the year that you don't want to be out in public. Yeah, exactly. It's um I've let's hope that they're gonna be soon uh, a vaccine and that we can go out. What what would be like uh you would you would you like like to do something like extra if they were saying that you're yearning? We are tired. It's okay. It's like okay. we need to say that this is like it's uh ten thirty four. We are at the end. These are conversations of the feminist family. <laughs> night, yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, what uh, do you think is gonna be like the thing you're gonna do? Like if they they, they were saying like okay now ceasefire like no COVID at all. Yeah, I don't know that I would do anything different. We still got to pay bills. We still got to work and live and try and survive. There is nothing that you miss, like, um, specifically. I don't know if you noticed this, my love, but I kind of spend all my time working. <laughs> and, and that's not different than it was last year. <laughs> no, I miss like, uh, uh, today I was, uh, just dancing a lot and I was like, Oh my God. I remember like, uh, saying there is this, um, choreography like that we do in the Burundian community. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's something that comes from America because I have already seen that, um, in American movies or something like right. there is this song, like there's a party. And I was like, I was doing that choreography today. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh, I, mean, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, to be like with people and we, we are just dancing and uh, without caring like about like if we are um, yeah. social distancing and stuff like, yes, yeah. I think it's something I miss. I mean, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my previous podcast, I had, we went to a studio and we all got together and I enjoyed that quite a bit, but I had ended that for, it had been done for like a year mm -hmm. before COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think I also miss like taking like the girls like to uh, some, 
activities for kids. Yeah, I mean you that know. Be, that would be nice. I mean, mm-hmm. me and Sirik used to go to the movies a lot. Like probably once a month we would go to the movies. I mean, we can't afford it right now <laughs> because my job situation is so much different. Mm-hmm. But when we had money, we went to the movies like regularly. And uh that's the sort of thing that I wouldn't mind doing again, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I miss I I miss like to go with the kids like playing in the water yeah. like <laughs> what it, like the, the swimming pool. Like I cannot even imagine like swimming swimming like I miss so much swimming <laughs> going to the pool and uh, yeah. Yeah. Here, okay. Anyway, going for yeah, couple drinks and couple drinks, yeah. 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 Not that we can afford any of that right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's it would be nice. Yeah. Um, I guess what else do you want to talk about, my love? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know who the Joker is? Who? The Joker? The Joker? Yeah, like from Batman. Oh, um I heard about that, yes. The other day I was like, there's a, there's a running theme among various people, uh, that discuss this stuff, uh, that Batman should have killed the Joker because the Joker kills hundreds of people. And if the Batman had killed him, then he wouldn't have done that. And I find myself like kind of, I, Agreeing and disagreeing with that. Like, there are situations where one, if you knew that somebody was bad enough and they were going, there was no way to stop them if you didn't kill them, then you might, like, would you have to go through with that or would you be able to go through with that? And, and like, where is that, like, when you say, like, uh, when we say from a philosophical point of view that life is a fundamental value that everybody deserves to have um how do you weigh one life against multiple lives <laughs> mm-hmm. this is just the, these are the things that come up in my head sometimes <laughs> okay i think that's what you um what you're asking um is it like for example for uh, some people who's in um who've been like convicted for of uh, murder for example and uh, in us and is um well, they uh, still have like they still have the death penalty, right? Yeah, they still have that. So, what you're asking is about death penalty. Like, well, does maybe. anybody like deserve like to die because of what he did or the fact that he may do it again? If if he's not killed, yeah. Like imagine because uh, the thing about the Joker, right? Is that he cannot be kept in a prison. For some reason or another, he always escapes. <laughs> so it's not as though he could go to prison and, you know, actually serve his sentence and like stay in there for the rest of his life. Where like, obviously in Canada, we ha- we have no death penalty. We do have people in prison for their entire lives, even though that that's up for discussion, like whether or not that's even ethical. So, yeah, I mean, if, if it's not, 
if prison isn't actually a thing that can, if you can't detain somebody to uh, the to keep them from harming other people, what is the correct maneuver? What is the right thing to do? I think that's something that you can only find like in um, movies, right? I don't see how somebody here on earth now in 2020 that can be like uh, that much Um, impossible to detain. I mean, and uh, there was, there was a, I mean, he wasn't quite on, he wasn't like the, I don't think he, there was a guy. I don't think he was as the villain in the sense of the Joker killing hundreds of people. But there was a guy that, like, every time the government tried to detain him, he escaped. <laughs> like, like, he was a, a drug dealer or something. or a, a, something. I can't remember what the heck it was. Uh, but every time they put him in prison, he escaped. And, I mean, yeah, he just, until finally, I think he died not that long ago, but. I guess uh, some people have been uh, uh, going from that situation to becoming like actually um, states agent to uh, work on how to reinforce mm-hmm. like a uh, I think that, uh, you know, everybody has a kind of like value on earth. Like I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of like um, against any modern justified by... How yeah, I mean, that person would be, yeah. I know it's happened, you know, I'm not judging, you know, I'm not saying that, um, it's something that I, I couldn't do myself because I think it depends upon like, uh, um, cases, yeah. you know, some cases I think that, uh, it's, I would say it's kind of like human, you know, it, yeah. it's case by case, like, I won't say that I'm against totally, but <laughs> in some situations, like let's say, uh, there is, um, a person whose like, uh, hobby is to play kids. I guess, I guess part of as balls, as golf balls. Yeah. And it's his hobby and he's doing that because he has money and stuff. And then he ends up like being caught. Mm. If you ask me, like, does he deserve like a death penalty? I'm pretty sure I would be like, yes, <laughs> go quick before I change my mind. But mm. <laughs> I hope that the society doesn't depend on just my. Right, right. Yeah, that is kind of why we have some systems set up, yeah, some exactly. kind of guidelines for these things, right? Yeah. I I guess like part of me, I think part of the reason I was thinking about this. And it's not like I, I drew this line to the Joker and I was trying to think of like, well, is it ethical to kill somebody to prevent harm? Right. And part of this is like the in a lot of the schools in the U.S., they now have like where teachers are like carrying guns, but you don't know which teachers are carrying guns. And a lot of the parents don't even know that there are teachers carrying guns in their schools. What are you schools. talking about? Yeah. Teachers carrying guns in school and nobody know who, who's teacher. Like, nobody if, knows. If we were the two teachers here in the, this house, it would be something that, uh. Even there were people, there was teachers carrying guns to the school that they worked at and their partner didn't know 
that they were one of the teachers that is supposed to be armed at the school. And it's to prevent these mass shootings, right? What? It's, it's no. To, yeah, no, this is, this is how this is going. And I mean, in, in my head, I'm like, okay, so the, this one teacher, he was actually the principal of a school. He's armed. He's got a handgun concealed and he's talking about, uh, he's going to monitor a class and he goes and he stands at the back of the class and he's watching the teacher teach and the students be students. And he's the only one with a gun in that room. And he's the only one who knows that he has that gun. And he says to him, and he says to the reporter that he was talking to, he says like, it occurred to him how scary it is and how easy it would be for somebody to come in without anybody to know that they had a gun and to kill as many people as they want. And, and he sees himself as the line between that person and the death of these students. Right. But I see that and I go, okay, but how many innocent children are you going to end up murdering because you mistakenly believe that they are a shooter or potentially a shoot, like a potential shooter. Like, yes, in your head, you're saving 30 lives by killing one. But what if you're wrong? <sighs> what if you've killed that child? <laughs> Is that, and they that were never going to be a shooter. They were never, they were not the, they didn't have a gun. I would say that they are in a surviving mode because like, uh, their government just failed, like, to put in right. place, like, uh, yeah some laws to protect themselves so they are uh, just trying to um to create themselves some ways to protect their kids it's a surviving mode like uh it's yeah. not like i'm going to be condemning because like i remember i was when i was like um i would say 12 13 years old like in the area uh where we were living I would um I would say that in almost all houses there were guns. Right. But um it's not like anybody had any right to have that guns like <laughs> it was because um after our like uh, neighborhood they were a kind of like a forest like we were really at the periphery you know side of the city. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, at that moment, there were war, mm -hmm. and uh, some rebels would like come and uh, attack some neighborhoods, you know, like okay. ours. So uh, we were going to sleep like every night without knowing if we would be attacked that night or or what. So people, uh, yes. So um, I was saying that uh, at that moment, like everybody had the the. Um, kind of like the obligation to protect, um, you know, himself or his family. Right. You know? um, and I remember I, I was really young. I was like 12 or 13. Like we had all like at that moment uh, to, to learn how to use guns and um, how to shoot or how, you know, how to stay alive if right. we were uh, attacked. But I remember that, uh, even at that young age, I, um, noticed that maybe it wasn't a good, it was just, um, 
an impression of being in security mm. because they were this gun, but um, it was just an impression because right. it's not that one gun that's uh, gonna absolutely save uh, right. people, and it may even like um, attract. Uh, them to you <laughs> you know if you are the one like yeah. um then that means that they may even use even more force on uh, right. on you know on you or your family so <clears throat> but when you are in a surviving mode like of course you're gonna think about that of course these are the kind of like solutions that come to the table but for me, it's just a sign that um, their government failed them. Yeah, something, like, something seriously like, wrong. Like they're in a state of crisis, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yep. So <laughs> it's not a normal situation that a teacher like uh, could go to school. That teachers would even have to deal with a secret plan so that right. one of them is going to have a gun. Like this, this is just a sign that this... Um, it just seems, yeah, it seems so backwards to me. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that the, the teacher is a bad guy, right? I'm not, no. I'm not saying that like any of these armed teachers, like, in fact, there was, there's like rules in place where at least X number of teachers or staff at a, at a school have to be armed in certain states. And if they're not, then your school should, could be shut down. Like you could lose, like if you're running a private school, then you could, lose your ability to run that school if you don't have armed staff there. It's crazy. It's they, crazy that that situation is in, uh, in, uh, in like in the powerful country. Yeah. In eh? the world. It's, it's, it's really crazy. Like, I, and I can understand how nobody, like almost nobody is talking about that outside of US. It's kind of like a secret, actually. It's not like, um, uh, everybody outside of US, like are aware of, of all the issues that inside. issue you know yeah. i'm thinking um it, it seems politicians like for example in burundi you know when they met like uh, the american embassy or right. uh, american organization coming like to restore peace or oh, to yes. build peace like do these people like uh the people they meet like do they know that uh, this is a kind of situation in u.s that a right. teacher it's gotta like it's take away from their credibility as like peacekeeper or like any useful per like they're not useful yeah exactly they're not going to keep peace in your country they can't keep peace in their own country therefore that some, yeah therefore that <laughs> kids are going to school without knowing that they're gonna be shot and right. not even from rebels like from a, potentially from a teacher yeah <laughs> right? or like, a parent or a parent or, yeah. or another student who yeah. just got um you know yeah no it's 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 a failed country. It's a failed situation. It's a yeah. fail. Like it's a, they are surviving. Yeah. There's, and what, what can you, what you do when you are in a survivor mode? Like should not, should never be judged well, <laughs> at yeah. the same rate as, yeah. uh, uh, in a normal situation. I think like yeah. when we are escaping or surviving to something like we, but it, it, it does say something about the state itself, right? Like the country itself. Exactly. It doesn't. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not saying that the, the people are bad. I'm, I, I mean, I disagree with. It's the country. 
is a country. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, like people, yeah, may become like bad because of those situations. Like, yeah. it's, it's not normal, you know. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's not. not normal. Like, for example, <laughs> that I saw a gun, like in the, um, in the, uh, war of my dad when I was 13, like right. just, Searching for, um. It's not normal for your country to be at war. Yeah, searching for candies that he may have uh, hi- hide from us and finding like a, a gun is, is not a kind of like situation, normal situation. Like, <laughs> no. You know? No. That is certainly, I mean, it ought to be abnormal, even if, <laughs> even if it's far too common, right? Yeah, exactly. No, it's. <laughs> It's it's terrible, actually. Yeah, it's really terrible that they have to go through that. I just, yeah, and I mean, it occurs to me that these armed adults, staff at these schools and stuff, they all have like biases. They all have ideas about uh, cultural ideas that they've been been ingrained with, with about black and brown students and you know, uh, students of color. And I just worry, like part of me is like how many indigenous Latino black kids are going to be killed because of this kind of arming of teachers, you know? And uh, despite the fact that most mass shooters are white, (laughs) I, I, it, it seems to me that all these actions that are meant to keep us safe, keep us safe. Uh, they always end up harming black and brown kids more and black and brown people more than they harm white people. Yeah, that's for sure. I think that if um, it was in their interest that they um, reduce uh, the, you know, the inequalities, like even in that area, like, it would be so easy just to remove the guns like from our hands, like <laughs> right. because they are already aware of that situation that affect like minorities mm. in the country, and they could understand like how potentially it's gonna be even worse. Yeah, you know. But is that on the it's, program? It's, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, like it, in the same country. In the 90s, like, they had what they considered to be a massive gang issue in inner cities schools. And so when kids, when people had to go to school, they had metal detectors. And they had, like, they would have to remove, like, they couldn't go into the school if they were armed. And, And yet, in the suburbs, you know, in Florida, say, the they, instead of... Instead of removing the guns from the situation, they add more guns to the situation. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think, I think that a lot of the, uh, situation with inner city, uh, schools and, and stuff in like Detroit or, uh, New York, uh, I think that, I think that there might have been, uh, a lot of villainizing of young men and young, uh, kids at that time too. And maybe, maybe even you could say that, uh, the metal detectors, maybe the overreaction of policing the schools and, uh, insertion of police into schools was, is a, a negative, right? <laughs> like that, sh- that shouldn't have happened either, but I still don't see 
adding guns to the situation as, as the, the right move. That's, I don't see what else to expect. I mean, um, how to say, I mean, here on earth, like once we start like to fight with, um, something that is, no, no, <laughs> it's, no, it's not going to be clear, but, um, if they want people to be safe, I, I think they should just remove guns like yeah. from, uh, and I'm not saying that, um, some people should not have the right to have, um, guns. Um, but why don't they have like guns only to go, for example, hunt and have yeah. a way that they are saving them like at the hunting zone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Guns are not something that should be in houses, in uh, bedrooms, in, uh, you know. Well, and- I, I know when, when, when I was like a teenager, but maybe it's the fact that I was, uh, uh, growing up like in a country right. in war. Right. And so it's um, going to affect, yeah, it's going to be slightly different. I, well, is it? <laughs> I was, um, I was like a kind of like, um, an angry kid. Mm. Yeah, before becoming the angry woman, I was really an angry <laughs> kid. But at, at that moment, I was um, really violent. Yeah. Not in attacking people, but defending myself. Like when it was about to defend myself, like I was so ready to use anything like in my power, in my hands, like right, right. <laughs> to get justice the way I, I thought that uh, I deserve justice right so uh i remember something that i will never forget is um that one day i i found myself like uh having like a a, a knife like on the throat of my brother my mm. my um old older brother and really in my mind i was in the mood of okay he better die right because like this is I don't even remember what was the fight for. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I was really in the mood of I better kill him and pay that. I think So yeah. if I was in US, if I was if at that moment I had a gun, like if you know you, it's you hard don't know, to know what, yeah, you don't know what could have happened, right? What could yeah, what what could happen? Like I, I don't trust everybody like to be uh, reasonable with guns, like in no. all situations, no, you know. Right. And um, I trust almost nobody to be reasonable with guns in any situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Some people train for that, you know, but I don't think that all people who have guns in US are just trained like to be this mentally solid. And, oh, that's right. You know. Yeah. To be dealing with stress, uh, like, you know, 100%. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How can I be? Like, uh, honestly, like, the more I, I um, learn about what's happening in the US, the more I'm like, uh, I would kind of, like, me personally, you know, as a black woman and not, who never lived in, uh, in the US, I'm like, I'm so afraid to go in, in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I would be really like afraid to be in US 
and to be working there because I would be like, I don't know how to walk, you know, I don't know how to, <laughs> right. to deal. Like I, I, I don't know what to do because I'm not sure to know what to do if I meet police. I'm not sure what to do if I'm in a certain areas. I, I'm not sure what to do. Like, yeah. they, they, they seems like to be so many parameters, like to know before you be anywhere. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's, not. that's maybe cliche because I have lots of friends living there, but yeah, it doesn't seem for me like to be a safe country. I, I don't think it is. I don't think it's a safe country for anybody. And it's, it seems pretty clear that it is even less safe for people of color. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. That's why I'm like, um, not sure. Like, I would love to see, like, I would love to go in US. I would love, like, there are so many places oh, yeah. there where yeah. I would, but. Is it worth getting I'm shot? Not, yeah, exactly. I'm not pretty sure that it's something I'm ready. Maybe I read too much about their violence. Maybe. I don't know. They're scary people. But really the situation is really scary. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're perfect. No. I mean. But it's, it's US, right? Like, <laughs> you need to know how to act. You know, you need to be trained. Like, for example, to be in a car driving a car right. you need to be trained on what to do for example if you get right. you know, arrested by the police you need to know like how to identify who may potentially like uh, be carrying a gun or who may you know yeah i think that in uh, some normal situation like uh i would live like in canada I would be kind of like, for example, here in Canada, if I see two person like fighting, mm. I'm not going to think like first thing in my mind, like, let me go hide or let me just let them, you know, yeah. fight. And uh, because like, you know, I'll be like, you need to separate them. Like, but if I'm in US, I would be like, oh, you, you don't know. I know. <laughs> if one of them have a gun, has a gun or a... I don't know what. Yeah, I, although even here, if two people are fighting, you got to be careful. Like I knew, uh, I grew up with a guy, and he ended up getting stabbed and dying because he broke up a fight here in the city. Oh. <laughs> when, so. It's yeah. Not, it's it's <laughs> yeah. It's not a common situation. I ne- I never saw that. <laughs> it's not like I'm seeing people fighting, anyways. Yeah. But. Um. But I don't know. It's, and I'm not also saying that I would be, I would feel safe if, uh, if I'm arrested, you know, by police yeah. here in Canada. But I tend to believe that in the US is more dangerous. I, guess. I think, I think it is. I think, I think the numbers show that it's more dangerous there than it is here. Though, uh, though it is not, though it is not safe here either. It's not safe at all. And I think, and, and I, I want to say that maybe the way I think is also because I'm black. Maybe mm. if I was a first nation, I would be like saying something. Even more so, perhaps. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Although. I have this impression that in pretend. US, <laughs> black are targeted, but in Canada, it's not really black targeted all the time. Not like in Saskatchewan, at least. Like. Yeah. Yeah. In Saskatchewan, it. It's much more indigenous peoples yeah. that are targeted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
which is not right at all. No, it is not. So that's great. That's a, that's a thing that we were thinking and talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure where to go from there. It, do, it doesn't make me feel good to think about these things, but I think it's stuff that does need to be talked about, right? Like we do need to recognize where we are as a, as a society. And, uh, this is something like you, you, you will never hear about, uh, for example, indigenous situation in, uh, in Canada, like outside of Canada, like, Mm, right. It really took me a long time, even when I was already here. It's maybe I got the chance, like, to um, come in Canada and get the chance, like, to right away start working in a media, mm. and that's how I got introduced to the indigenous uh, mothers. I think, like, yeah, um, for me, it's really important, like, to recognize, like, uh, that. Even though there's still like a, yeah, there are different like, um, it's not states. What's the word? Um, Provinces? no categories oh. like of oh, that people, kind of. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I may be somehow a little bit privileged than an indigenous mm-hmm. person here in Canada, which is so weird. Yeah, which doesn't mean there's no anti-black racism here, right? <laughs> there's still lots there of is, that. There is lots of that, but um, yeah. not to the level of for indigenous. Yeah. I guess I don't know the numbers, but yeah, I mean, what I saw at what time. The, the number of people who are in prison in Saskatchewan are massively disproportionately uh, indigenous. Yeah. And uh, I mean... It's not because there's something wrong with indigenous people. Okay, you just remind me something. You just remind me like a conversation I had, like a, it wasn't a long discussion, like it was on, um, again on Facebook. Um, we were talking about, uh, I think I was talking about like, um, the way media portray, portray, um, um, uh, terrorism or acts of terrorism, like, mm. Uh, by color of the terrorists, like oh, yeah, that's yeah. depending on the color of uh the the person who committed, you know, yeah. any act of terrorism, like he's he can quickly become a terrorist or become a um, person who has a mental. Oh yeah, illness. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the go-to, right? Like white people don't have. White people aren't terrorists. They can't be. No, they're either they're either a lone wolf gunman or a person who went crazy, or they yeah. are a person with long term mental illness. And or, it's only them. It's only that person. Like there is no yes, way it's right. it's the whole yeah, community no, or the whole right. religion or the whole like even the Christians like. It's, Christians are, are almost never terrorists. Too. It's a real problem because we have a serious far right nationalist uh, problem in Canada, <laughs> and, and unless you start recognizing the acts of these terrorists as terror, you can't fix the problem. So there were uh, this journalist, like who was who was like I was kind of like hard on journalists, and because I was like I shared this article, mm. and I was like, okay, here is. An article written like, um, 
based like on the like holy bible of journalists in the occidental like countries (laughs) (laughs) you know this is a white guy who just killed people as a terrorist and the whole article like telling us like it just happened telling us how that person has mental illness and how you know there Mm -hmm. are so many things that come you can even see it in the pictures that they put in the articles, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. when it's a white guy, it's always a picture of him smiling with his family exactly. or something. Mm-hmm. And if it's a, a because he just something just went wrong at that moment, he was right. not. It's not indicative of his actual character. No, he just had an issue. Yes, and he need to be treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Even yeah, the judge gonna just send him like to be treated or to be. Yeah, but. But when it's another color, when it's another religion, when it's, um, like this fact that they want to, uh, tell us that anybody who say Allahu Akbar is a terrorist. Right. Yeah. That's, and, that's uh, they so talk about here. like, uh, Islamists. I, I tend to be a little bit like tired of it. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to pretend that they don't exist, but I'm, I'm tired of the media pretending the white terror doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, and it's, and pretending that you know, kind of like suggesting that everybody that, is, that everybody yeah. is in that. Like yeah. it's a matter of religion. It's yeah. again that religion. You Every know, member of Islam is an Islamist, yes, or a terror potential terrorist. And his um, objective is like to convince all of us, like to become Muslim. Well, no, not convince. To force. To force us all <laughs> to become. So yeah, yeah. It's it's. It's frustrating because it's like you say, like it's pure racial animus that frames it that way. And it's all over Canadian media. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, it's all over the US too. <laughs> oh, uh, actually, it's also in Europe. It's also right, yeah. in France. It's so, also in Belgium. So we're not immune, the, or nobody seems to be immune to it. It's a thing, I think. Uh, we need to go dig more into racism, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the systemic racism, like yeah, that's to right. understand that because that's what it is actually. And I think I think that that's a it's a complicated problem for a lot of people because even people who are kind of progressive, right? They want to say they want to see um, all this stuff as kind of like. Uh, they want to say that if we solve everybody's uh, life problems, like if we uh, if we give them the, their basic necessities, if we uh, uh, fix their li- their problems, uh, give them a good job, make sure they have a place to live and a, a house with food in it, then there won't be any racism. But this isn't true because even com- countries where they have a strong safety net, even countries where uh, uh, where society is much better than it is here or in the U.S., uh, they still have these racial issues. Like even in like like the Scandinavian countries, like Norway and Denmark, there's lots of racism there. So it's not just that racism comes from uh, alienation. You know, it. I I think part of it does, 
part of it is is a product of class, but it's not just that. Like, there's something else going on there that we actually have to, as a as a whole of global society, we have exactly. to examine. Right? We yeah, we need to rethink about that, recognize first of all, because yeah, yeah. without recognizing yeah. racism, like how can you? Yeah, if you deny there's a problem, you can't fix it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How can you? But also, I think that yeah, it's, I um I'm, I agree with you that it's it needs like also to be rethink like globally, like you know yeah. there needs to be like a global solutions to racism, like yeah, it's it's so pervasive, like and and like, I mean I don't want to and and it is it is to the effect where different racisms are a product of different environments. Um, anti-black racism is a thing that happens in many countries where people aren't white, but because there's a, uh, an anti-blackness there or like, uh, uh, anti-Asian, uh, or, uh, or like uh, not, not Asian per se, but like, uh, I guess anti-Chinese, people right now like lots lots of racism against chinese people and or uh you know there is a- it comes from other that comes from other groups that aren't just white people but like i just different skin colors hating each other for no reason like, I, I don't know i don't know how to do how to fix there is that a, i think that that there is a reason yeah, there is a reason. There is a reason. Of course, there's a, a reason. To racism. There is a reason, <laughs> yeah. and we need to acknowledge yeah. that, and uh, and um, and maybe it's a, a way to to solve it, right? Yeah. And um, one of the reasons behind racism is, I would say, like for me, the fear. Some people are put in a state of fear that maybe. And generally is not even justified. Right. Yeah. But racism is created. It's yeah. not like, um, it's just something that's just there. It's created. It's, uh, aroused. It's, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, you know, even, even in various other uh, countries other than Canada and the U.S., it's still a cultural thing. Often, right? Like it, it comes from stories, you know, that, you know, my, your uncle tells to your, his kids or, or you, you know, oh, such and such group of people behave in this way. And he just says it off the cuff, right? But to a five year old kid, it gets in their head. And then they perpetuate that. They believe that as they grow up, they go, oh, yes, well, people who are like this behave in this way. And yeah. people, uh- People who come here are coming to steal our job. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a big one, right? Like almost it's, no matter where you go, they think that we have place for everybody. Yeah, Yay. your country is just empty. <laughs> you see, it's created. Racism is created. It's um, yeah. so it can be also like yeah, stop like in ways like yeah. It, like you say, like it's created in some, you know, uh. If there were a mechanism like to 
stop the creation of racism, you know, if there were like, uh, laws that, um, for example, like, um, uh, gonna uh, stop people like to preach or, mm. you know, to teach how to be racist, yeah. you know, it's not, it should not be just seen as, uh, just politics or just propaganda. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like it's not. Imagine that they were like a, uh, a party here of, um, um, First Nations who, like, majority of First Nations who were saying, like, we want, like, um, we don't want white people. Well, I mean, would that be illegal? They sure would make us think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the white people would sure make us think about it. Like they sure would like be outraged about it. Do you think that I don't know about the legality of it? Yeah, exactly. You know, but, but I know that people would be very like, (laughs) meanwhile, I'm thinking, I'm not entirely sure that's a bad idea. (laughs) Maybe indigenous people should have a party to get rid of all the white people. (laughs) It wouldn't be a bad idea, but do you think it can be like authorized? Like, you know, oh, no, the are they going to find? Yeah, the state would never allow it, right? You like, know? Yeah. Even if they got enough support to be a political party, uh, like on the books officially, they would never, it would never be allowed. When I see like what happened when uh, black people get together and uh, try to organize and uh, do stuff like even between black or. Uh, yeah. You see the how I was uh, I, I was reading like a few weeks ago about like um, black people in the movie industry I think okay and um, so I think it's in France yeah it's happening in France and um, there is this movie that um, came out and um, it's uh, like almost the whole casting like majority is black people okay. and they're telling like life as black people in France, you know, and they, they're like, it's our movie. People been commenting as if, why? <laughs> why would, uh, uh, you see, you see how black people are? Uh-huh. Uh, can you imagine if we go together and uh, do a whole movie like with uh, only white people? <laughs> as if that hasn't happened over and over and over again throughout history. <laughs> <laughs> what? 90% of <laughs> what are you talking about? 90% of the movie in this country are like made with only like, white people. Like, <laughs> you know, oh, why would black people go together and uh, try to spend uh, their money in, in um, cycles of, you know, black businesses only? This is racism. Like, yeah, it's just a bunch of people who don't know what the fuck's going on complaining about it. So maybe if the law was the law for everybody, if the, you know, maybe if uh, we were not accepting, you know, uh, some uh, situations like uh, that we won't accept in the other sense, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you can accept that for the sake of politics, like you can have like uh, right uh, wings, uh, you know, being racist as they want or being, you know, and it's, it's politic. 
they have mm-hmm. the right, you know. I think that the law should um just be there for everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple question, you know. What if people are doing the same towards like another group oh, of yeah. people? Just yeah. replace that. If you find that it's not possible, if you find that it will then pass, then that means that even the other one was and just a privilege. Is, yeah, then what you're doing isn't good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, can you imagine like if... um black party in US um were promoting like black people to get armed and get protect you know it mm-hmm. happened actually each yeah. time it tried to to happen like it becomes like illegal oh, yeah. you know yeah. there are people like became like a um in the you know uh you know the CIA was after them and, uh, or, the you know, FBI was in, yeah. FBI, you know, yeah. when yeah, you think like, about like the Black Panther, like how, what they were saying yeah, like they is different. Literally to, sent people in that were FBI or uh, agents working for the FBI yeah, to instigate crimes <laughs> and, and in order to, then arrest members of the uh, Black Panther Party for those crimes that their agent was instigating. So, you know, like, yeah. when we see all the plays that we are giving like to the right wings, like uh, people who are like xenophobe, who are like racist, who yeah. are like, and guess what? They have the chance, even the chance to come and talk to media that we all pay. Yeah. You know, they have the chance like to, you know, to participate in elections like, like it's normal. Right. Can you imagine that? Like coming from another group, like having the same slogan, like, are we going to call it like also politic? Yeah. Or are we going to call it a crime? And why it's not the same? Imagine that there is a political party here, like whose objective is... To stop supporting like people with disabilities, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to target like a victim of you know and make it a campaign. Well, that's that's like, um, like they have there's they say uh, make it another group. Everything that you ha- are you complaining about, make it another group. If you don't want to bake a cake because it's going to be at a gay wedding, well. Pretend that you're complaining about a black wedding and mm. I don't want to, I don't want to sell you a cake. You're going to get married and you're black. <laughs> that yes. makes no sense. Of course that makes no sense. You mm. can't do that. So why would you be able to do it for gay, you know, gay people? Why well, would, actually people are doing it. Well, yes, that's for right. For black. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, but you, but you're legally, but imagine, you're no, not no, it's in the other sense. To, yeah. Oh, I don't want to sell this cake because it's a white couple. Right. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. Are people going to come and say, freedom of selling? Yeah, no, they're not. They're going to be all like, yeah, it's racism. We can't do that. (laughs) Human rights. Human rights. All lives matter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What the fuck, eh? All right, my love. We've been going for a while. How long? 
Uh, one hour and 16 minutes. Oh my, that means that we are past 11. Yes, we are much past 11. That means that we are late to go sleep and... Yeah. But we, we have to exercise tomorrow morning. Okay. Your people who listen. <laughs> we are people who exercise like regularly and we <laughs> love that. You are. You're I, a, am, <laughs> I, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Oh, I saw that TikTok. It was so funny. <laughs> it's what about like... Okay, we need to, um, it's, it's a message to, uh, teenagers, girl, you know. Mm. I'm like, okay, your dad just lied to you. You are not a princess. If you want to live like a princess, if you want to have a good life and, um, be rich with things that really matter, like find a man and marry him. Mm. Find a man who work and bring money and just take care of kids and marry him and you're going to be rich with things that value mm-hmm. but i see girls like dreaming and thinking that oh yeah why not it's a good thing yes but if you have that you won't have the abs because <laughs> people who work men who work like uh, uh hard for their families don't have abs they have <laughs> one ab <laughs> yeah well a big one it's supposed to be a joke <laughs> <I'm tired>. bye <laughs> bye <laughs>